Is this my stereo? Hey, you got it. What happened to my stereo? It's all smashed up. That's right. Now it looks like it was broken during shipping and I insured it for $400. But you were supposed to get me a refund. You can't get a refund. Your warranty expired two years ago. So we're going to make the post office pay for my new stereo. It's just a write-off for them. How is it a write-off? They just write it off. Write it off what? All these big companies, they write off everything. You don't even know what a write-off is. Do you? No, I don't. But they do. And they're the ones writing it off. I wish I just had the last 20 seconds of my life back. December 9th, 2012. Hello! Hi. And goodbye. <laughs> Slam footsteps. <laughs> You've used that before, but it's still good, so I'll allow it. Or maybe it's footsteps slam. I think I've mixed them up before. Well, there would, could be footsteps after you slam. They would just be muffled outside footsteps. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Nerds. Crushing the bodies of your foes as you go. What? Under my feet? Yeah. Oh. Well, that would be an entirely different sound effect. <laughs> we, you, should, you, you should get on that. We need to clear up the notes for the director. <laughs> You're like, let's Google the sound effect. Crushing bodies. <laughs> As you walk. I'm sure there's something That's good out tough there. tough to find. Tough Folks, to find. get on it. Okay. <laughs> no, I was just saying that because we don't have very much to talk about. So, And yet the episode's long because there's this interview with this guy who just wouldn't shut up. He was all blah, oh blah, 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 so I'm the interview guest. So why um, don't you uh, enjoy that? <laughs> we cover some very good, interesting, informative topics. Oh, you covered it. I'll all have right. you know. <laughs> that that's some serious coverage. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> God. Mm. So the few things we have to mention. Uh, this is our only trip for the month of December. And December's weird. And that's what that's I'm mentioning. That's the news item. Yes, it's very weird with our release schedule, of course. Things are out on different days. We have the last week of the month off. So um, so you're going to have unexpected episodes popping up. And you're going to be like, what? You're going to be like, what? And then you're going to love it. Unexpected episodes. But don't worry. You'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Just breathe. We'll get through this together. That's right. We're all going to be okay. We'll be friends. It's going to be okay. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You can tell her yourself. (laughs) I'll never leave you behind. Never. Uh, Okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) At the same point, we both knew we we had taken it too far. That's the end right there. We're done. You need to just stop. Um, So in any case. That's comedic timing, people. Just so you know. (laughs) The schedule for December is wonky. And so um, pay attention, but all of your shows will still be coming out, but possibly on slightly different days. So just keep an eye out for that. Sometimes earlier, mostly earlier, really. And since this is the last trip of 2012, uh, the next one will not be actually, it's almost exactly a month away because uh, the way the weeks fall in January, we have the first week of January off with episodes because we, you know, Genesis Avalon comes out the I last Wednesday know, and we work I backwards from there. I take for certain things. You should take my word for everything, baby. Not for most things. Okay. <laughs> So in any case, um, you won't have another twip for about a month or so. I know. We'll miss you too. I don't think that's what they said. Pretty sure they did. I don't don't think so. They said it. Well, they said they'll miss me. (laughs) And then they thought about it. 
and said, and Jeffrey. And when we come back, it will be Susan doing the news and I'll just be sobbing. <laughs> the whole episode. You know, why don't you record that at the end of this episode, just so I've got the file okay. and then I could just do it alone. You can just, just loop it and cycle in. it and it'll be fine. <laughs> in any case, we will be back in early... 2013 i was just about to say 2009 what the hell you were in not early 2000 it was on what tip of my tongue really yes where's wow i've suddenly somehow traveled backwards in my brain i don't i don't know what's going on we're tired we're we're so busy right now you guys like oh my god you have no idea they don't care i'm just letting them know look at this episode we have nothing to talk about this is three <laughs> and a half minute four minutes of rambling we apologize nonsense <laughs> There hasn't even been any drinking. We realize you have a choice in podcasts. We and thank you. you. Why thank did you, you choose this ours. one? That's what we wonder. <laughs> oh. So anyway, that's, that's it. That's all we have. So let's listen to this interview by some dude. No, the interview and is by dude. a classy, awesome dude, but the interview guest is the one who doesn't know how to shut up. It's men talking. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have to be quiet. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. I, I don't. Know. I don't actually it's, believe in. It's just. It's, it's a joke I like. It was, okay. <laughs> I'm she a terrible li- person too. <laughs> That's right. Let's put this all on you. This really this is your fault. This shouldn't be news to most of you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyone who listens to Twip, all regular listeners know Susan's a terrible person. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, she's horrible. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get on to the interview. There's lots of cool news and information in there. Make sure you check it out. Sure, and we'll see you when it's over. Let's go. From the home offices of Pendant, we have Jeffrey Bridges from Burbank, California. Hello. Hello, Jeffrey. How you doing, Jordan? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. This is your uh, your first Twip interview. It's very exciting. This is my first recorded anything. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be nervous. I'll be gentle. Okay, cool. <laughs> that sounds a little creepy, but, you know. Well. I, I got to be me, right? So. Right. Well, I think we all get it. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a bunch of questions from pendant fans, pendant people, um, and, and from myself as well, although I guess I fall into both of those categories now. Excellent. I'm excited. That's just what we like. We just bring people into the fold, you know. It's very cool. Um, so there's some stuff that I've been wondering. Um, okay. What uh, What's it like running an audio drama company? Like for people who don't know, as executive producer, what's what's day to day? Oh man, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. Day to day is. It's, it's, you know what? It's different every day. Um, today I had to put um, a Genesis Avalon casting call up on the site and promote it on our social media uh, um, sites, you know, like Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, what else did I do? I, uh, well, this isn't necessarily an executive producer job, but I also, I edited a seminar wrapper script today because I'm doing seminar editing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I checked pendant scripts and pendant lines, which are these accounts we have set up to track all of the scripts for all pendant shows. Oh, I didn't check pendant lines. I'm sorry. I misspoke. That was Susan. I checked pendant releases. 
Uh, we have those three, and Susan does pendant lines because it's really big, and so she does that one on her own. And I do pendant scripts and pendant releases. Mm -hmm. And Scripps tracks all of the scripts that come in and go out to... They come in from uh, writers and go to editors. They come back from the editors to the writers and the writers to the cast. And then I track... Uh, uh, the releases tracks the actual episodes coming in and their commentaries coming in and their trailers if the show has a preview trailer and it keeps track of all of that in this giant database of when things are due when uh, things come in when to send reminders to people to make sure things do come in on time as often as possible anyway i'm looking at you directors <clears throat> anyway um no they have a tough job and and we appreciate everything they do for us um and let's see um I don't know. There's just a lot of other stuff that that comes up uh, sort of on a case by case basis. Uh, I have directors and, and actors and, and writers who will email me with all of these questions. Can I do this? Can I say this? Can we extend this casting call because I didn't get uh, all the auditions I wanted or whatever this time around? And I've got to deal with that. I've got pitches for new shows coming in. I've got people talking with me about shows that are in development. And, uh, you know, I do all of the um, the website stuff myself, all of the uh, graphic design that you see on the site, the show logos and stuff, I do all of that too. So um, I kind of, I'm just like a, a jack of all trades. I kind of do everything that we don't have someone else to do. And so um, that's that's what I do mostly on a day-to-day -day basis. I've got, um, I don't know, I probably spend a couple of hours at least on it each day. Um, and that's on a day I'm not actually writing myself or or anything like that. So, uh, or recording a twip and mixing twip. I mean, that doesn't factor any of that in either. So, um, it's a lot of work, but you know, I love it and I love pendant and I love all the people we got helping us make this awesome stuff. So it's, it's a labor of love. <laughs> it's interesting to hear because you know, you're in Burbank, so you're steeped in the whole like Hollywood yeah. environment. And, and most of us that listen to twip or listen to anything, you know, pendant, we're not as familiar. I mean, we yeah, we see credits on TV, we hear credits mm -hmm. on audio dramas, and when we go to the movies and stuff. But I don't think a lot of people fully realize how much stuff there is that you guys do. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that has to go on behind the scenes to make all this stuff happen, especially to keep make it happen month after month after month for a multiple of shows. And so um, it's hard to kind of explain all of that and make sure you don't leave anything out because you're not usually thinking of every single step of everything along the way at one point in time but um but yeah there's a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of people working really hard behind the scenes to make all this stuff happen so um and and yeah you know in pendant it's there's a lot less people making that happen than you would find like on a movie or a television show or stuff like that so it's just they're they're giant giant projects and and they're really really um it's a production. It, that's, I mean, obviously, that's, you know, pendant production. That's kind of a given, I guess. But, but I, that's not quite what I meant. But I'm just babbling now. But, no, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of people working very hard to bring all these shows to everyone. And, and it's a good thing we all love what we're doing. Uh, it definitely makes the difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Because I can't see how anyone would do this stuff if they didn't love what they were doing. So, so um, sticking with pendant as, as a company, mm -hmm. um, we know from from past discussions that pendant started from an old email list yeah um but what made you take it to audio um and or what made you take it to like company form right well 
you know, it kind of happened without me even realizing it happened. It, it, it's kind of weird because um, we were writing these stories and we wanted to do more than just write. We wanted to kind of like be able to sort of act out the stuff we were writing in the best way that we could. Sure. And we, this was a while ago, Pendant was founded back in 2004, and, and, and even back then, a, a mere eight years ago, um, video was not as prevalent as it is now. I mean, now I can shoot full HD video on my iPhone, you know, and, and back then, if you gave me an iPhone eight years ago, I would have thought you were not just from eight years in the future, but probably 80, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it's, it's, I couldn't even fathom that I would be holding something like that in my hand a few years later. So um, making like uh, short films or anything like that was kind of out of the question at the time. And we were all scattered across the country and the world and everything. And so we thought, well, you know, audio dramas are cool and it's something that we could do. We could all record separately and mix in everything and, and put this together and have a finished production that we could listen to. And initially we were pretty sure it was only going to be for us. There would be nobody else who was ever going to listen to these things. Uh, and, um, but in order to get them made and get through production, it became pretty quickly evident after the first couple of months that we needed to not be so, I don't know, lax with everything. I mean, we were just doing it for fun. It was just a hobby, but we couldn't just be like, yeah, send in your lines whenever, because then people were like, well, if it's whenever, I don't have to do it right now and then you know how it is life stuff happens and it gets put off and it gets put off and it gets put off and in the beginning we spent a couple of times we were waiting two three four months for one episode's worth of lines to come in and that was okay but we realized that if we really wanted to do this and be able to tell these stories and and make these episodes stuff had to happen a little more regularly than that we needed some kind of structure and so we started coming up with, you know, monthly deadlines, not just for the lines, but for the scripts and then for the mixing. And it just sort of all snowballed from there into, you know, where Pendant is at now. I didn't ever set out to be like, I'm going to start this company and we're going to run it like this and this and this and this. And all these people are going to come in and they're going to help us out and do all, You know what I mean? It was just, yeah. it was nothing we ever intended. We just thought this will be a fun little hobby. And we had too much fun with it. We just kept going and more people said, I want to help. And it just took off so i think it was a good thing we had it so um so well structured early on because i don't think we could have done as much as we've done if we didn't have that so um i think a lot of it has to do with the organizational structure and the people who've helped set that up and who've helped run it over the years and um we're still refining it now i mean every couple of months we catch another new thing we're like oh hey this thing fell through the cracks we've got to change this procedure so that that doesn't happen again and so we're always tweaking and refining to make things better and, and uh, as easy as possible for all the people working for us and so that we can be as reliable as possible in getting stuff out to all the folks who want to listen to what we do, which is the coolest thing ever, that there are people who want to hear the stuff we make. And so, I, you know, we've always thought we owe it to them to let them know when the next episode will be and to hit those deadlines and get things out on time because, you know, that's... That's what we owe them, and uh, you know, for being fans of our stuff. That's the coolest thing ever. So it's you know, it's the least we can do. Well, that's cool. And and you've described me as the Uber fan on, uh, <laughs> I guess, like two trips ago. So I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that what you've put together is well organized, um, just 
I go out and I look for stuff and I'll find like two or three episodes that are like six, eight months apart when I see their production dates. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to get started on that because the last one was four years ago. Yeah. When, when and, Pendant started, it was kind of like that. There were these shows that I thought were kind of cool, but I was like, I have no idea when I'm going to hear the next one. And are there going to be any more? I don't even know. And they just toss them out whenever. And, and you know, I have nothing... I'm not trying to disparage people because some people that's that's all they can do with what they fit in with the time they have. And that's totally fine. But I mm -hmm. thought if you really want to build an audience and, and get people in, you know, you have to do it like a, like a TV show does. You know when the next episode is and they're going to release it barring, a, you know, like some huge, you know, national preemption for something or other. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. you have to you have to be professional about it, whether or not you're making money off of it. You just have to treat everything and everyone professionally. And so that's what we've always tried to do from the beginning. Yeah, it's you guys have set everything up um, very well organized. And it, it sounds, you know, like it was mixed, you know, at some studio in Hollywood. And well, all the cre all the credit for that goes to our awesome directors. I, I can't take any of that credit. No, no, I that's that's all them. I just <laughs> I, I love their work. I, I agree with you. It sounds fantastic, but that's not me. That is all them. They're brilliant. <laughs> so, based on what you said before, um, you didn't grow up going, hey, I want to be a uh, producer, I'm guessing. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, obviously writing and i think more than writing but i think for you it's really the storytelling um but before that mm -hmm. what were you thinking about doing career-wise tell us a little bit about jeffrey that we don't know <laughs> well i don't know that there's much uh, about that that uh, folks don't know i've since i was mm, sophomore in high school i think it was i've uh when i started writing i had an english class and we had to write a short story and that's what that's the earliest memory I have of, of really getting a bug for it um, and thinking, this is really cool. And I think it was only a year or two later I started writing a, um, I started writing a Star Trek Deep Space Nine um, spec script. I had no idea back then what script formatting was, how to even write a script, where to send it, what to do with it. I didn't care. I wanted to try to write one. Um, and so I got together with one of my friends who was a big uh, Deep Space Nine fan, and we tried to write one together. And I think we only got like five or six pages in, but um, I thought that was like the coolest thing I had ever participated in in my, my short life. And um, unfortunately, at that time, uh, in the Midwest, nobody knew how you could become a professional screenwriter. Um, there was no one you could ask. The internet was still kind of in its infancy, and you tried looking for information on that. You really couldn't find much. And so um, people who grow up in Southern California have it very different because it's very obvious when you're here um, how people can at least try to go about getting that, where you might begin to try to start knocking on doors. And But when you're in the Midwest back then without the uh, internet being what it is now, it it was something that you didn't even think it was possible. You, I literally had no idea how anybody could become this. I was asking people, I even wrote, this is kind of embarrassing, but I'll go ahead and mention it just for entertainment value. <laughs> I wrote a letter to um, TV Guide once. They had a, a column where you could write in and ask them like questions about TV shows, and they would look up the answers for you and give them. This is way back when. Now, remember, you couldn't find this stuff on the Internet. And um, 
and I wrote to them this postcard. I said, how do you become a TV writer? I really want to write for Star Trek, and I don't know how I could ever do that. And they never got back to me, and my, my poor childhood heart was crushed. But um, <laughs> it's been a thing that's been with me, you know, like forever. So, um, and, and Pendant, in a lot of ways, has been very good for that, uh, for Susan and I both, who were, were both um, were trying to break into screenwriting as a team. And um, because of all of the deadlines that we set up, and it taught us how to write on deadline, how to write even when you don't feel like it, how to write when you're sick, how to write when you're angry, when you've got a horrible headache, you still have to get things done. You've got to meet these deadlines. And we've pushed ourselves so hard with all of this stuff in the past that it's really benefited us um, in the stuff we're doing now. When uh, we're doing professional uh, television spec scripts and screenplays, and uh, we've got some stuff in front of some agents now, so hopefully stuff will go cool there. But um, it's it's pretty much all about the scripts for me. And I say that because I really have zero interest in writing prose. Uh, way back before Pendant, I wrote a novel that will probably never be shown to anyone ever again. It's horrible. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. Um, for some reason, just the other day, I, I was thinking about it again for the first time in a long time. I probably wrote this, I think it was back in 2000. And uh, Susan had, of course, read it. And, and she brought up, she, she mentioned something about it that I had hoped she had forgotten. And, and oh, it was so embarrassing. And I shall not repeat it here, but I was, yeah. But that was enough prose for me. After that, I was like, you know what? That's enough prose. Once I discovered actually how to write scripts that was it it was like love at first sight i i just absolutely i love the format i love the way it works i love how fast you can get to everything when you're actually typing you don't have to get bogged down and i have to write these two paragraphs describing this thing when i want to just keep moving the story along you know scripts are all about dialogue and character and i really love that so um that's that's pretty much what's around for us is script writing, script writing, script writing. So, so when you're writing scripts, is there anything in particular that inspires you? Um, it'll vary from script to script depending on what I'm writing. If that makes any sense, like if I'm writing something, I I know there's a lot of writers who like to listen to music when they write, and I can't do that unless it's something that specifically fits the scene I'm trying to write. So like if, if you were watching it as a movie and you could hear that song as like playing in the background during that scene, if I can find that song, then I can listen to that one song like on repeat while I write that scene and it works okay and it can help me get into the mood there. But I can't just like have a, a, a playlist going where songs keep rotating and changing because it will affect the stuff I'm writing and it, it just totally messes me up. Um, so the stuff I, I don't know, what inspires me the most is, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. I have uh, a song, um, whenever I, if I'm feeling very whiny and not like I don't, like I don't want to do my writing for the day because I'm just not in the mood or whatever, I put on, um, uh, what is it, I Want It All by Queen, uh, which is, I suppose, <laughs> kind of trite, but it fires me up and it reminds me that, you know, you've got to do all this work and you got to put in the time to get where you want to be. I'm and sitting here it, and I'm going, it's going to be a queen song. It's going to be a queen song. <laughs> of course it's going to be a queen song. I'm a little predictable there, but um, yeah, so that helps um, uh, fire me up when I, when I want to do it. And I remember um, too, that I find inspiration in that uh, 
I've got a lot of friends who are in the industry, who are paid writers, and who firmly believe that the only way you don't make it as a writer in this town is if you give up. And so it's, and, and I remember things like um, the script of Back to the Future, when it was uh, first written and passed around Hollywood, every studio passed it over. Every single one. And I remember that I think it was even every studio passed it over twice until Universal decided to uh, take a shot on it finally. And when you remember that, and then I look at that movie and, uh, you know, everyone has their own opinions, but I kind of hold that movie as, as this paragon of, of really, really great screenwriting. And if something like that can get passed over that many times by everybody, then you know, there's hope for everyone and you, 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 everybody gets rejection and you don't take it personally. And a lot of times you can even get something good out of it. If you find a bunch of people say the same thing isn't working, then, you know, it's not working for a lot of people and you've got some, a good piece of feedback you didn't have before that can make your script stronger. So it's all about growing and getting better and, and better and better and better as you go. And, um, so, you know, you just, you, you remember those things and you just, keep pushing forward and kicking ass and and what also helped is that i feel like everything that susan and i have written together as a team uh each new thing we write is better than the last one and i i got afraid a couple of scripts back i'm like i don't see how we could ever write anything better than this one not to be conceited but i thought that's the best that we can do i don't know how people do better than this i didn't think it was perfect but i didn't know how we could do better and then we wrote the next thing and I thought it was actually better, like empirically. I'm like, I see how we improved in the like areas here. And so that is very heartening because everything you write, the newest thing should be the best thing because each time you've learned more, you've got more experience, you know more about what you're doing. So as long as I keep seeing that, I am very heartened and uh, we'll just keep going. We've got a lot more ideas, a lot more stuff writing. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Good stuff coming, hopefully. I sure like to talk, don't I? <laughs> um, actually, that kind of leads into the next thing I wanted to ask you. Um, are there any particular themes that you want to explore in Pendant, story-wise? In Pendant, story-wise? Not really. Um, I kind of take the themes that I want to explore on a project-by-project project basis and see what fits each thing the best. So I wouldn't say there's really any one theme specifically that I'd want to explore through all of Pendant, um, especially since I don't write all the shows or, or have control over all the shows or anything like that. So, um, you know, like what happens on Genesis Avalon and Tabula Rasa is all up to Cat and Jack. Uh, I have no say in that. I mean, I approved their initial outlines and I okayed the shows and, you know, got them into production and everything, but I don't, you know, control their storylines or anything like that. That's all them. So, um, I guess what I meant was not that you'd have one theme across all of Pendant, but that in one particular show, you might want to explore a particular theme of love war, mm. something that's been gnawing at you. You want to get down on paper and then get out into audio. Well, after all these years, I'm not sure that there's a lot left that's actually gnawing at me to get out. I kind of, um, I think I dumped all that stuff. I, I, know, I know a lot of people have that, and a lot of times it's very cathartic to get stuff like that out. But I feel like, at least for me personally, that I, I did initially have stuff like that, and I dumped it all out a long time ago. And now I kind of just... I'm much more concerned on, with what theme I feel will fit the premise and the characters 
the best or what their story is. And, and I sort of let the theme be told to me from them and work with that. So I'm, I'm just concerned with making a good overall piece and getting everything together and figuring out what works best for those things there rather than what I want going in. So um, I guess that's a, a weird way to look at it, but um, it, it's not about what I want. It's about what seems like it would work best for the story that's trying to be told. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. So of the stuff that you have written, yeah. what stories or scenes um, stand out as ones that you're especially proud of? Oh, well... Um, hmm. And if there's stuff that didn't get out through Pendant, tell us about those. Well, let's see. Um, I'm very happy with um, Dixie 50. I really like the way that that came out, especially the end mm -hmm. of the show. Um, it was very hard for me to do that, uh, but I was very happy with the end result of it. Um, I really liked trying to think. It's hard to think uh, Kingery-wise because there's been so many of them now and it's been so long. Um, oh, I like um, the Kingery episode. I'm not sure which episode it was. It was last season where um, Tommy is asleep and dreaming about the people that have died sort of at his hand. Not necessarily at his hand, but as a result of his actions or his inactions or so that he was some way connected to their deaths. and Or perhaps they were ghosts. You know, it's all up in the air. Who knows? But um, I really liked that episode. I, I was very happy with that one when it was uh, done. Um, that one was that, good. I enjoyed that one a lot. Oh, thank you. It was, it was, that one was especially different for me because with Kingery, I always get the season finales. And so there's always a ton of story that has to be wrapped up. And they're usually pretty action heavy. And so I don't get a lot of quieter character stuff and on that one i got to really dig deep into tommy and just sort of you know torture him and mess with his character and get into his head and uh that's something i don't get to do a lot of on kingery getting all of the the finales so that one was um that one was a lot of fun to do and i was i was very happy to be able to do that one um i'm i'm really excited about uh a new show that we've got coming up that susan and i have co-written with another writer that will be more information about later. Um, but it's going to be a six episode uh, feature and it's unlike anything, uh, not just then in pendant, but it's unlike anything Susan and I have ever written before. And I, I really, really dig it. it. I'm really proud of what we've worked up. And uh, the first two scripts for that actually are in, and we're uh, Susan and I are writing the third one as we speak. So it's almost halfway done uh, in the scripting stage. Um, cool. And so that one, I, I don't want to say too much about it now because I don't know how much we're going to say and when, so I don't want to spoil things or, or toss stuff out there before it's ready, but um, I'm, I'm very, very proud of that one. And um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's hard to, I don't know what I can say about it. It's very, it's very character driven. It's very, um, I don't know, it explores some themes that um, uh, we haven't, at least Susan and I haven't necessarily touched on in pendant scripts before mm -hmm. so uh people will find that kind of new and not just because it's a horror and a western and you haven't heard us write a horror western before but um but like the actual 
you know, theme of the story and the character types and stuff. They're a bit different, and so it was. It's very refreshing and exciting, and uh, I think it's a really cool thing. I don't think there's anything quite like it out there, which which is also really awesome. Um, and beyond that, um, you know, I, Susan and I have got um, some screenplays and and teleplays and stuff that we've uh, recently completed that I'm I'm really really proud of, and uh, I can't. I sometimes I can't believe that we wrote them. I look at them and I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. We we actually did this. So um, that's really cool. It's I don't know. It's a hard thing to say. Um, I would tell you more about these things if I could, and perhaps soon I will be able to. But um, yeah, I, you know, I'm also I'm very proud of the the Dixie comic, um, uh, the script that we worked out and getting it actually made and put together. That was a, a really nice moment for us too, getting to see all of that come together. I have my comic. I'm very glad, especially like my patch. Ah, <laughs> uh, aren't those awesome? They are fantastic. They're so cool. Uh, not that we're trying to taunt you people, but you know. <laughs> um. Any other new shows that are on the way? Um. Well, we have the horror western mm-hmm. that I mentioned. Um. We have the uh, two superhero shows. Written by Teresa Keller and Dragon Blink, that are going to share a universe. Uh, we've got and um, yeah, we've got those two, and we've got a third superhero show that does not share a universe with those. It has its own separate universe. It's um, actually um, about a team of superheroes, so it's a bit different. And um, that one is being the pilot is being scripted is being written by Toby Bennett, and we have. Um, a four-episode high fantasy feature being written by Colin Kelly. It'll be the first fantasy show we've ever done. Um, you know, we're talking swords and sorcery, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so that's very exciting. And uh, we have the short-format detective noir spoof show that Anna Rodriguez will be writing. Um, well, she is writing. She's working on that. And there's another short format comedy show that Susan and I are working on that we hope to get. Uh, we've got it outlined the first season, and we hope to script that uh, and get it done sometime this month so that we can start recording stuff and get it out there, hopefully in just a couple of months. Um, since the scripts are so short, it makes the production cycle on that really fast, which is kind of cool. So, Because uh, each episode for that will probably only be like five to six minutes long. Oh, wow. So uh, they're just little, you know, really short, quick comedy scripts. And so we should be able to write them all really quick and get them. The actors can record the entire season at once. And then we if each episode is only five, six minutes, it doesn't take that long to mix. And you can get it all done and start, you know, churning it out really quick. So um, uh, we'll see how that goes. But that I believe that's everything that we've got right now that's still in production. That's not already airing episodes any uh idea generally speaking when the releases of some of these are going to be <laughs> no none at all uh, <laughs> hey it, people want to know <laughs> well i know i want to know believe me uh, but the thing is um actually with all of these things what we're doing is we're getting them uh all completely written ahead of time and then uh the nice thing about that is you can look at the complete package of the entire season and you can see oh this thing in episode six will work so much better if i put this other thing into episode two and seed it a little bit and that you didn't see during the outlining stage or when you were writing episode two and so it gives you that really nice uh way to tie things together 
and um, it makes things a little easier on the directors. I think it's not a, a permanently ongoing shows really, really a lot of work uh, on the writers and directors. And so doing them, uh, these other shows in sort of bursts of a season at a time, and then the show will go on hiatus while they work on the next season. Um, it makes it a lot easier on the people working on the shows so that it's not as much of a, a time burden on them. So, so from, oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, so we can't set the release dates until like all of the scripts come in and are edited and finalized and then they can be cast and once the shows are cast and the lines start coming in we can set a release date so um i know susan and i like i said are <clears throat> excuse me we're going to try to have our uh short format comedy scripts done by the end of december i believe blinky said she was going to try to get her six superhero scripts done by the end of the year but you never know how things will go with the holidays and stuff so right. uh we'll see but hopefully early 2013 you'll start seeing the casting calls and everything will start going from there and, and hopefully we'll get some of the stuff out not too far into 2013. So you'll be releasing these monthly like the other shows? Um, the normal shows, yes. The short format shows, we're not sure yet. They might go every other week. In, mm. uh, so you get two episodes a month just because they're so short. Um, it seems like just five minutes of a show per month might not be enough while the season's going to for people to really get to know the characters and and get into it and remember what happened when there was only five minutes of it. And so um, we might go every other week on that, but that's something that we'll figure out as we get into production on them once the scripting is done. So the hiatus between seasons of these shows, will it still be a month like the regular shows? Or do you think that as you do these seasons in full now, mm -hmm. you would have one show on hiatus while another show is broadcasting? And it then... Might yeah, you know, I think that's probably the way it'll work. Because um, I know once, like, okay, take um, uh, Dragon Blink, like we mentioned, writing her, her six scripts for her season. Um, once those are done and the show is cast and it goes into production, one script will go to cast per month. They'll have a month to do their lines, which will come in, and the director will have a month to put the episode together, which is how all of our shows work. So if it's a six-episode season, after six months after that first script goes out, the whole show should be basically wrapping up production on that first season. Right. So hopefully during that time, uh, Dragon Blink would be writing her next season. And so then hopefully we wouldn't have to have too long of a hiatus before the next season could be jumped into. But that will all depend on how the writing goes and how this, the scripting, sometimes you know, we don't want to push it too much so we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully, it would have a short hiatus, but I'm, I, I, yeah, it's something that I'm just not sure of at this point. Okay. So, a lot of new shows coming. Yeah. Um, people have been coming to you with pitches. Oh yes, they. Have. So, what do you look for in a story pitch? Um. What gets Jeffrey's seal of approval? <laughs> something I. You know, it's hard to explain. Um, it's not the concept. It needs to have an interesting concept that's like intriguing and not just the same thing you've seen a hundred times before. But like when Colin pitched me his um, fantasy show, he didn't just come to me and say, hey, we don't haven't ever done a, a sword and sorcery uh, high fantasy show. Let's do something like that. And I said, OK, that, let's work it out. He he pitched me a thing and I uh, I think a lot of what was in his first pitch 
didn't end up making it into his revised pitch and further into the show, uh, into the outline and into the scripting. But what caught me, there was something in that initial pitch. There was something about the character and that character's story, and it just grabbed me. And I sat up and I took notice and I said, that, that is an awesome thing. I have not seen that. I want to see that. We need to make that happen. And so each pitch needs something like that in it. The, the setting, um, you know, if it's sci-fi or if it's a crime drama or whatever it is, that's kind of immaterial. That's just the set dressing around it. What's, what's really at the heart of it is the characters and the story and what you're trying to say about them. And, and what all. And so if there's something in there, something really good to latch onto, um, that's it. That, that's all I really need. And the rest is details and can be worked and tweaked to be whatever suits that story and the characters the best. Um, but... There's got to be something in there that just it's just exciting when you read it. You're like, that sounds amazing. I, I've never seen this or, or we haven't done anything like this. And it would work so beautifully. And it's just I don't know. That's that's kind of vague. And it's probably not helping people who actually want to pitch things. But you've got to have something in there. Character and story are the heart of everything. So get a really cool concept. But then you've got to wrap it around a really, really good character and story for them. So, because um, if you have a, this great, cool concept, but you don't do anything with it, then you end up with Lost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it keeps going and going. Lost and was going. a great concept, if only they had really figured out what that concept was. But Yeah. You could say yeah. the same thing about uh, Ron Moore's Battlestar. Yes, exactly. They were very similar in that way. That They, they both had these great characters, and they had uh, a really good concept, but both of them kind of fell off on the story front. They, um, I mean, I think I read an article about Lost recently that, that they admitted that they didn't know where they were going with it, which I think everyone learned by the end. And that's what kind of upset a lot of people is that all along you're kind of led to believe everything is important and it's leading to something and it didn't. And so you got to have all of the components there, I think. Yeah, uh, a lot of people used to joke that the Cylons had a plan, but uh, sci-fi didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would personally agree with that assessment, but that is just my opinion. I do not speak for all of Pendant. I'm sure there are plenty of people <laughs> out there who really love Lost and Battlestar Galactica, and I'm offending them right now. I'm sorry, folks. Hey, nothing's perfect, and, you know, it was a fun watch. Yeah. Either way. Um, okay, switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mentioned the comic earlier, the Dixie comic. Yeah. In all of its awesomeness, um, Susan said that there would be more Dixie comics. She did, yes. Any news on those? Not yet. We're still um, pitching it to comic companies who their editors are very busy. And so they are not the most timely of responders to people that they've never heard from before, which is totally acceptable. I fault them. You know, I, I mean, I don't fault them for that at all. Um, it's just a lengthy process trying to meet these people and talk to them and show them the work and see if it's something they have a spot for or would be interested in or if it fits the kind of stuff that they want to do. Um, and so uh, we're still working on that and trying to see if there's any companies out there that, you know, it would sort of fit in with. And uh, so we're going to see how that goes before we decide what to do with it next. And if not, then we might do it as a graphic novel or we might do it as a webcomic um we're not sure um so we're just gonna 
take it as it goes. We, we still, uh, we're going to get it out there in some form, somewhere, sometime. It's just a matter of how, when, and where, which is what everyone wants to know, I, I, I guess. And that's what I can't answer. Once again, I'm, this is a terrible interview. I'm awful. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is all good stuff. Um, do you think you'll diverge from the broadcast story? Um, the Dixie comic story is slightly different than okay. the audio drama. And it's the same basic story. Like, if you saw the, the full story for the, um, that we have for the Dixie comic now, which encompasses uh, what was Dixie season one, um, you would recognize it as season one of Dixie. But there's a lot of changes to it. Um, certain things happen to different people. Certain things happen in a different order. Um, you get a benefit when you look at things through a new lens later on after it's done. And you can kind of see how to how it could have been made a little bit better the first time around. And I'm not trying to go all George Lucas or anything you're believing. <laughs> that's not... Oh, dear. That's how, probably how I'm coming off. But no. But it's... Um, you have to change things anyway for the different medium. Um, we initially tried to do the comic with the commercial announcer in there and with the actual uh, regular announcer in there. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't work in a comic. It gets... I mean, in the comic, we still have um, diet, not dialogue boxes, um, caption boxes, mm -hmm. which are some of the dialogue that the announcer in Dixie uh, said when he sort of did his little jokey narration throughout the show. Mm -hmm. But trying to put the commercial announcer in there, uh, we, we even had a spot initially where we broke to a commercial in the middle of the uh, comic and you saw the announcer and the commercial announcer and Nebulon sitting next to them and they were talking in the microphones and it was like that's just not working at all and so we eventually switched that to uh, for those folks of you who don't have the comic um, the Umkit ads still appear but they appear as uh, one page spread ads like you might see in an old comic book and um, so there's there's some dialogue in there with uh, Nebulon who's, who appears in, in that ad but um, it's not the same, and a lot of things don't necessarily work the same way because comics is a, uh, a vi very visual medium. Obviously, it's all visual, and audio is all audio, and so they couldn't really be more different. So you, you have to tweak things. Some things just don't work the same, and, or some things don't work at all and have to be switched to make more sense. So um, you do have to... It's, it would be an adaptation, I guess, is the best way to put it. It's not... Right. tweaking as much as it's adapting it to a new medium, which um, before we wrote the Dixie comic, actually, um, I didn't have that much experience with comics before then. That's really where we figured out how to write comic scripts and all of that. And it's um, it's very, very different. And you have to think, you have to, it's like switching off part of your brain and switching on another between audio and comic, and you can't think the same way. So it's uh, it was a very interesting and enlightening experience, but it's um, th there's it's the same basic story. This is my very long-winded way of saying it. it's the same basic story with detail changes. So you're writing comic, you're writing TV, you're writing audio. What uh, where do you like to play the best? I think. Um... I, I like the economy of audio scripts uh, for folks who might 
uh, not have written them before, have not seen audio scripts, perhaps. Um, audio scripts, at least the ones we do here at Pendant, they only have uh, character name and dialogue, or whatever the characters are saying, and um, sound effects calls for whatever you need to hear. And that's all you have to tell the story. And that is very, very lean compared to like, you know, like say novel writing where you're going on for paragraphs, describing things and people's internal feelings. And they're, it, it's so streamlined. It's, it's so narrowed down to the absolute heart of everything you have to, that's all you've got. And so I really, really like that because it, it, cuts away all of that other stuff not that i don't like reading prose because i do but writing prose is no that's not for me but um and it's made our uh screenplay and teleplay writing a lot tighter because of that um, most of the stuff that we read um if you read teleplays and screenplays a lot of it reads like it was written by prose writers if that makes sense because their description of what's going on reads very much like a novel and they get very descriptive with some things. And when we describe those things in a screenplay or a teleplay, we are very, very minimalist with it. We, we put, you know, we try to put some humor into it. We try to be funny and get a good voice in there and explain it all. But we try to keep it, uh, it's just from all those years of writing audio, we keep it to the barest minimums. This is only what you need to know. And we don't really go further than that. And so between those two, I think writing audio scripts and writing for... Um, the screen, uh, screenplays and teleplays. Uh, I absolutely love both of those. Comic scripts, I enjoy writing, but they are also a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, this is not me saying I would ever turn down comics work because I would love to write comics. And it's really cool, but you have to do it panel by panel by panel. And you have to describe everything that's in each panel. And it's just, it's a lot of work. I mean, not that already isn't work, but it's like, when you have two characters talking, you really want to just get into that discussion and go. You want to let them talk to each other, insult each other, yell at each other, whatever. You just want to, you know, get into the rhythm of the conversation. But with a comic, you've got to stop and you've got to describe how they're turning and standing and their pose and what's in the background and then put their dialogue in. And so uh, what we actually found worked better for us uh, when writing the comic would be to write it as like an audio scene between the characters to get all the dialogue out there and then go back and convert that over to a comic script and put in all that other stuff afterwards so that it didn't, you know, interrupt the conversational flow of the dialogue. And so that makes it like twice as much work as anything else. So um, I think that's why uh, I prefer writing the other scripts a little more, but uh, I still enjoy writing comics. It, it's still a lot of fun. That, that sounds like you proved something that I said earlier where I think for you it's not just about the writing, but I think it's about the storytelling. And it is, yeah. I, I'm happy to work in any medium. If, you, if I've got a story that fits a medium, just you know, turn me loose and off I go. I, I'll, I'll write any story. It's just about, yeah, story and character. That's... And it sounds like com the comic side is less storytelling or well, less lends itself less to the storytelling. It's more technical. Well, the the scripts are. Well, I, I shouldn't even say they're more technical because there's a very technical aspects to screenplays and teleplays, um, in the way they have to be formatted and where every single piece of the script has to be. But I've written so many of those now that I kind of know it all by heart, and mm -hmm. so it's a lot easier to do. So that might just be all it is, is is a familiarity thing that it's a lot easier to do one because I'm used to it. Um, so perhaps if 
you know, we got a, a comic writing gig and I wrote, you know, one of those, two of those a month for a year, I might feel very differently. So uh, it could just be that I've written so many, so much more of the others that that's just where, you know, my comfort zone is. Okay. Um, in Dixie, let's talk about Dixie for a little while. Yeah. Um, Volker and Soup. Yes. Um, did that have anything to do with uh, the Soup Nazi on Seinfeld? <laughs> Are you claiming that I'm a giant Seinfeld fan? I don't. I don't know where you would have gotten information. Certainly not this from the I opening knew. quote of this show. But um, you know what? It's been so long now. I honestly, I swear to God, honestly, don't remember if I created Volker loving soup because of the soup Nazi, or if I created Volker and later I needed something funny for him to like, and I thought it would be funny if he liked soup because he's a Nazi. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was actually the latter because I find soup, like the word, kind of hilarious, and it's such a benign food that it's like the most innocent thing you could think of, and here's a Nazi who loves it. Um, but subliminally, it might have had something to do with Seinfeld because I live and breathe Seinfeld a lot of the time, so I can't discount it. It might have been an, an unintentional homage, um, or it could have been an intentional one that I don't remember, and I'm talking out my butt right now. So um, I don't know. There. That's my answer. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Um. You had mentioned that Dixie was the first in a trilogy of shows. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did mention that, didn't I? You did. Mm. Um, when are we going to hear about the other two? I don't know. <laughs> See, the, I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, again, worst interview ever. That's my answer to everything. I don't know. Move on. No, um... I, I do have general plans for the next two parts of the, the trilogy story. Um, the problem is a time issue uh, that we've got so much that we're working on now inside a pendant and out mm -hmm. that finding the time to do another show uh, to the extent that uh, Dixie was would be very tough, even if it wasn't done as a monthly show if it was done as a feature or even a, a uh, fixed season show kind of like these other new shows we've got coming up where it's just one season at a time of sh uh, smaller amounts of episodes um, Dixie was so much work um, to write because so much research about the time period had to be done in the middle of writing I'd have to stop and go look something up I remember once I had to go stop and find out if fire extinguishers existed in whatever year that episode was written and they did and what form did they take and what were they like and um so you have to stop and do all of that and and um that made it a lot more difficult and then the commercials and the credits i think i mentioned probably in the commentaries over there that that i would write the commercial and the credits on like the second day of writing and on the first day i'd write the rest of the show and so I had to split it that way because they were so different from each other. I, I couldn't wrap my brain around writing them both at the same time. And so um, it was just a lot of work. It was almost like writing two shows at once. And I did that every month, you know, for 50 months. And so it was it's a very exhausting thing. And so um, with us trying to get the Dixie comic going and all of the other writing, uh, right now there's just not 
a lot of time. So hopefully it's something we can get to um, at some point. But I right now I'm I'm just not sure when that will be. I wish I had better news. <laughs> well, I, I think those of us who have chatted on Twitter or on the calls and whatnot previously, <clears throat> excuse me, we um, we never saw a body. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, there was a giant <laughs> explosion in the sky. I don't know what you would have seen, but all right. I'll, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything, so I will give you. I will further give you no help. Well, it's the first law of uh, sci-fi: nobody they can come back. <laughs> so, what do you I'll miss most? Thank you. What do you miss most about uh, Dixie? Uh, I think I miss Dixie herself the most. I loved all the characters, and I got very uh, attached to a lot of them. But Dixie was, um, I think I just, I loved her the most. She was the easiest to write. Her voice was just there. And um, even now, anytime I see a picture of a, an old-timey aviatrix, you know, it's just like I can hear Dixie in my head. And it's, um, I really, really dug Dixie uh, as, a, as a character. She was a lot of fun to, to write and to get to accompany along that story for 50 episodes. So I, I miss getting to write for her uh, regularly. And it was very nice getting back into that with the comic uh, and tweaking her lines a little bit to fit the comic and, and uh, getting to see her brought to life by uh, Jerry Gaylord's pencils was uh, pretty outstanding. So um, uh, that was really cool. It was like getting to, to meet an old friend you hadn't seen in 10 years or something, even though it hadn't been 10 years, you know. But um, So that was very cool. And so... Uh, Hopefully, though, we'll get to uh, be reacquainted again soon with, with uh, the comic in, in a uh, more permanent form than just the, the one mini. So I, I have high hopes there. I think we're all hoping it happens. What do you miss least? All the work. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I yeah, I just touched on how, how much work the Dixie scripts were, and I... Um, I don't miss that at all. It ate up a whole lot of my time. It didn't leave me a lot of time to do anything after Dixie was done. Uh, I've gotten so much other writing done. Um, not that I don't think it was worth it and, and that I don't like the show or anything like that, but it's allowed me not having to write it anymore has allowed me to write so many other things because it freed up so much time um, because it just took so much longer than anything else that I've ever written um, on a script by script basis so um yeah i definitely do not miss all of the hours i had to put into each of those scripts okay which which is part of the reason it, it's like i said so hard to to be able to give you an answer on when there might be a uh, follow-up series because it's a really large work commitment to get those done so okay um moving on over to kingery mm. So you are the head writer of Kingery. Yes. How much of each script is yours? How does that work with being on a writing team? Well, the scripts that I write myself are all mine. Uh, the ones that I'm credited on as the writer, uh, or that says script by Jeffrey Bridges. Those are mine. 
Um, as for the other scripts, I um, edit them along with all of the other Kingery writers before it goes to the actual uh, script editor, which is Teresa Keller now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I write the outline for the season. So uh, between each season, the writers get together and talk about the kind of things we'd like to see or stuff we'd like to do in the next season. And then I kind of keep all that stuff in mind and I write out the outline for the season, all 12 episodes, what happens in each episode. So in that respect, um, a lot of the story is probably mine, but I don't want to like take too much credit here because a lot of ideas do come from the other writers as well, but I'm the one who puts them all together in, into a story and, and all of that stuff. So I guess um, each script probably has you know, a good deal of my fingerprints all over them since I, I did write the outlines, but um, that's really it, though. The script, when it says script by, and if it's another writer, that's not me. It's, you know, it's pretty much them. Uh, my outlines say what happens in that episode, who does what, who they talk to, what happens, stuff like that, but I don't put in any of the details or, or things like that. So um, it's very, it's, a lot of it is left up to the individual writer on each script so those of us that are not as familiar with the whole writing process Mm -hmm. what's involved with outlining and how's that different from you know the writing aspect of it um the outlining is sort of like boiling the story down to its absolute bare bones this is what the heart of the story is this is what happens and so that you can kind of, if you do that and you, you go through the whole season, then you go back and you edit it and you fix it and you tweak it and you change it because you see by the time you get to the end, the stuff that doesn't work at the beginning or how to set it up better and things like that. So it's basically telling the story in brief without t- telling the actual story, which you do when you're scripting, you know, with the dialogue and the characters and the action and all of that stuff. So... Um, it's basically like an abbreviated version of the story. So it, it's writing the story, but it's not the script. The scripts are just more detailed versions of the the outlines for each episode. Okay. Are you going to do any more seminar shorts? I have no plans to, uh, but I might. I have um, the one that the, I only did one. It was years ago now, I think. Um, and I converted it from a short story I'd written years and years and years before that. Um, I might, if I, I don't know, dig some of those up and think some of them might make good adaptations, but, uh, I don't have any plans to at the moment. So it's possible. I I don't know. I just, you know, I got other stuff I'm working on. So. Okay. And a while back we heard about Macy Sampson. Okay. Will we ever get to hear it? You know, I've I've been meaning to put it up, and I keep forgetting because I'm kind of busy. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will you will get to hear it. Um, hopefully live. If you folks can come see us to one of our performances, we don't um, occasionally at a, a convention in Southern California. We get a, uh, a slot to do a live performance of an audio drama that we wrote specifically for live performances. Uh, it's called Macy Sampson. Well, Macy Sampson is the lead character, and the title changes based on the show. Uh, we tweak each, uh, the, we tweak the script each time to sort of tailor it to the convention we're at. 
So um, it's been performed three or four times now, I think. And so it's had three or four different titles. And um, it's always Macy Sampson and the something or other, you know, um, that has to do with the town and the convention that you're in. And it's the same basic story each time, but we tweak a few of the jokes and we move stuff. We always make some joke about one of the panels that's going on at the convention. And so we'll pick a specific one from each uh, uh, convention to, to make the little joke about and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I have... We did get uh, the first time we, we performed it. The recording was awful. Uh, the acoustics were terrible. The audience could even barely hear us. So we couldn't use that. But we do have one really good, clean recording. Um, so I just need to get that up sometime. Maybe I can put it in TWIP or something like that for everyone to listen to. Um, it does incorporate a little bit of uh, visuals, though, um, which most obviously of our audio drama don't. But since this one is meant for being performed before a live audience, there's a right. little bit of visuals incorporated to give them a little something extra. Um, so like um, in the uh, Macy Sampson show, I have the role of sign guy and I hold up all of these signs at the appropriate time throughout the script to get sound effects and reactions from the crowd so that they can sort of participate in the show with us. Oh, cool. Um, so you would like hear their reactions if we just put the audio up, but you wouldn't see me holding up the signs or what have you. Not that you're losing a lot there, but that's like one of the visual things that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on if you only had the audio. So, um, I might put the video up on the pendant YouTube account or put the audio in twip, or maybe I'll do both, uh, whenever I get up off of my very busy ass and get that done. Have you thought about videoing it while you're at the, uh, one of the conventions? Well, yeah, we do have the one video now, but um, I don't know. It, it varies by convention, depending on the place they put us in, whether or not we can uh, get good video of it, um, mm. which is a shame because I think uh, people might. I don't know. Maybe this is my conceit speaking or something, but I think it would be cool to, to see all the different versions that we do and see where the changes are and how things get tweaked. But unfortunately, we don't necessarily get video of all of them, but we do have one good video. Uh, quality of one so um, I'll have to see if I can get that up somewhere I have been publicly shamed so that will usually help in uh, getting me to actually get it done there you go all right um, last show related well not show related but for a particular thing because I know you've said that this particular thing um, you, you used gravel and your voice when when talking about legion no legion's creepy man legion was very creepy and very very painful i would often have to stop in the middle of my legion lines because i would be in horrible coughing fits with like tears coming out of my eyes um i could usually get out maybe a sentence uh in the voice before that started happening and then after that each of those lines that you heard um I had I'd have to speak like half a sentence, four or five words, and then I'd have to stop and take a drink of water and wait a like a minute and then do the next few words. And so those lines took me forever to do. And it wasn't, you know, early on when Legion showed up, he spoke in those like three word triptychs. And so they weren't that hard to do. It was like, oh, this isn't so bad. His lines are only three words. It was just getting multiple takes. That was tough. But then as you got close to the end, his lines just got like, he got these giant paragraphs 
and I was editing the scripts then, and I would write back to Chris, and I'd be like, why are you trying to kill me, Chris? Chris, what have I done to you? <laughs> it's like half a page long line, and I'm like, my God, I'm going to die. So, um, yeah, it was very, it was very painful. He sounded cool, but it was painful. So that was all you? That was not any... No, no, no. They did filter it. Um, mm. I don't know exactly what they did to it, but that is not the way it sounded, or not exactly the way it sounded when it came in. Um, I think he sounded a lot cooler than the voice that I did, but my voice was just a very, very hoarse, oh my God, this is someone who's dying whisper. Um, <laughs> and so then they put the little bit of like epirelly stuff on it, whatever. They did their, you know, audio voodoo and made him sound even cooler, so... So hearing it unfiltered, probably. <laughs> oh, well, you got to ask now, and I've just finished my drink. I have nothing to recuperate afterwards. All right, here. Um, all right, I'll, this, I'll try to do this just for you. Okay, here we go. It kind of sounded like this. <coughs> Did you even hear that? Did hear that. Oh, it's a really... It's very, very quiet. Like whenever I would record it. Oh, my God. You'll probably hear my voice is a little messed up now. Um, whenever I would record it, the lines, the waveforms that would come in in the program were like a third or a fourth of what my normal speaking voice is. It's so it's not a very loud voice. I can't get any louder with it. So I, I have to get like really close into the mic. And so I always get breath pops in there, too. So I'd have to redo them, which didn't help things. Either. It's almost it's my. It's my own fault for auditioning with that voice. What was I thinking? <laughs> it's almost like somebody was choking Dr. Emmett Brown. <laughs> oh, well, that's a lot funnier when you think of it that way. Now he's not so scary. <laughs> now you just feel bad. No, leave Dr. Brown alone. <laughs> um, so lots of shows. Mm -hmm. Favorite? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had a feeling. I, so, there's no, so there's no way I can answer that. Yeah. So, what about stuff that you listen to outside of Pendant? Um. Well, I enjoy the Katniss Chronicles mm -hmm. by uh, the good folks at Fanboy Comics, which I suggest you stop by and check out. Also, the Fanboy Scoop is a sort of a pop culture nerdy sci-fi. Uh, news show that they do once a week which is also very very good and i have uh been fortunate enough to be a guest on that show uh, for their discussion a few times mm -hmm. and so i don't just say that because i've been a guest on the show but it's actually a really awesome show and they're really really good people um so i would highly recommend checking those out i think they're awesome okay anything that you'd like to plug or just talk about and let people know that you're not telling us already in twit proper no i i think that's i don't think there's anything else i've been holding back so um i would really love to tell you more about our our horror western i'm so excited about that but and we'd love to hear it, it it'll be it'll be premature at this point we need to get the scripts finished first and see because you never know something's going to come up that's going to change it you're going to have to tweak it and i don't want to say something that i'll have to be like oh well this has changed now so we're going to wait to talk about it till that part's done but, um, you know, we're about halfway now, so hopefully not too much longer before we can start talking about it more. Cool. All righty, then. 
Jeffrey, thank you so much. Thank you, Jordan. It's been great to be here. It's over. It's over. It's over. Just the interview. It's over. Coming out Wednesday, December 12th, Macbeth, Act 2, Penn and Shakespeare. Is this a dagger which I see before me? A handle toward my hand? Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind? A false creation proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain. I see thee yet in form as palpable as that which now I draw. Thou marshalst me the way that I was going. And such an instrument I was to use. Mine eyes are made the fool of the other senses, or else worth all the rest. I see thee still, and on thy blade and dudgeon gouts of blood, which was not so before. There's no such thing. It is the bloody business which informs thus to mine eyes. Now o'er the one half-world nature seems dead, and wicked dreams abuse the curtain's sleep. Witchcraft celebrates pale Hecate's offerings, and withered murder, alarmed by a sentinel, the wolf, who howls his watch thus with his steady pace. With Tarquin's ravishing strides toward his design moves like a ghost. Thou sure and firm-set earth, hear not my steps. Which way they walk, for fear thy very stones prate of my whereabout. And take the present horror from the time, which now suits with it. Whilst I threat, he lives. Words to the heat of deeds too cold breath gives. I go, and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. Coming out Friday, December 14th, episode 48 of Seminar. On the next Seminar. Tomorrow night on Jacques Lapin Cooks It. This is your butt. Captain, it's an emergency on B-Deck. Pleased to meet you, Sally. I am death. Must I remind you again that it is nothing more than a laboratory rat, Dr. Eli. Now, proceed. Episode 48 of Seminar, only at PendantAudio.com. Coming out Wednesday, December 19th, episode 2 of Tabula Rasa. Let me first say that I realize that this may seem a bit early. Next time on Tabula Rasa, Liza and Jane test the waters. Basically, we're going to try and introduce something to you that may cause you to remember. Okay. And Organ C's investigation continues. Mrs. Zari. If there's even the slightest chance that there's a terrorist cell operating in this city, I need to be able to talk to the senator ASAP. But they are met with some resistance. Was there any man thus beaten out of season, when in the why and wherefore is neither rhyme nor reason? Meanwhile, Ganymede has new orders. <sighs> Just prepping myself for something I've got to do. Looks like you're not looking forward to it. Wedding bells will ring as Tabula Rasa episode 102 premieres only 
at PendantAudio.com. Coming out Friday, December 21st, episode 38 of Genesis Avalon. It was in one of the biggest mistakes of my life that I finally realized who I was. What I was. Asara grapples with the demons of her past decisions. Oh, oh no, you don't. Don't you dare try to act like I didn't just see what I did. I don't know what I you... saw you fly in. Just whoosh, right into the window upstairs. Is confronted by a glimpse of her future. Hi there, I... What's up? Name's Sam Tyler. Hello? I'm... You're, you're Sara, aren't you? How did you... Anne sees her life crumble at her feet. <laughs> Genesis Avalon, Episode 38, The Chapter When I First Met You, airing December 21, 2012, only on PendantAudio.com. We crucify ourselves between two thieves. Regret for the past, and the fear of the future. And we've got some casting call results for Much Ado About Nothing Independent Shakespeare. Colin? Hello, Pendulum! Uh, so apparently Wednesday after Thanksgiving is the worst time to end a casting call. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, but thank you to everyone who auditioned, especially you ladies, as this time there were more female auditions than male auditions. Which is a pennant first, I think. Um, and I've tried to adjust the gender neutral rules to reflect that, so... Good job, ladies. Keep rocking. Keep coming back. Go, ladies. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh... <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little weird today. Uh, without further ado, uh, the casting call results for Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, in the role of Antonio, we have Randy Bowser. In the role of Balthazar, we have Vincent Morrison. In fact, you're listening to his submission right now. Uh, in the role of Benedict, we have Paul Brueggemann. In the role of Beatrice, we have Renee Christine Jones. In the role of Baraccio, we have Pete Milan. In the role of Claudio, we have Chris Hackney. In the role of Conrad... Seth Adam Schur. In the role of Dogberry, we have Mindy Rast Keenan. In the role of Don John, Harry Whittle. In the role of Don Pedro, Dave Morgan. Uh, Friar Francis will be played by Russell Gold. Hero will be played by Katie Keating. Uh, Leonardo will be played by Jason Wallace. Margaret will be played by Allison Moser. Uh, the Messenger this time around will be played by Brian Brewer. Uh, the Sexton will be Kristen Bays. Uh, Ursula will be played by Hannah Jane Condell. Uh, Verges by Teresa Stacy. Watchmen the First by Anna Rodriguez. And Watchmen the Second by Stacy Vandas. Uh, thanks again to everyone who auditioned. If you did not get a role, I'm sorry. Uh, but keep trying and keep learning. Uh, casting, honestly, is the hardest part of my job, and you guys never make it easy. So don't stop making it hard for me. Uh, Anyways, I'm talking too much again. Uh, back to Susan and Jeffrey. 
la 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 the show is almost done And that's the end of Twip for 2012. You made it to the end. We'd like to thank you for listening to this here show. And all Pendant Productions, we appreciate your listenership. We do. And it's all very of our wonderful volunteers for their participation. Yes, all our of directors our directors and directors and promotion people and writers and actors and artists and editors and everybody. They're awesome, and we'd have nothing without them, so... We could not do it without you. That's right. And we appreciate it! We do! At this season of giving and holiday-ness. Holiday-ness? Yes. It's holiday-ness. Okay. It's non-denominational holiday-ness. We'll go with that. Yeah. Be sure to stop by the website at PendantAudio.com, the Yahoo group at groups.yahoo.com slash group slash Pendant, the Live Journal community at community.livejournal.com slash Pendant Audio, the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Pendant Audio, the Twitter at twitter.com slash Pendant Web, and the Tumblr at PendantAudio.tumblr.com. I lost my rhythm in the middle. I almost See, we're totally back. tired. We say that like every episode. It's, it's just Yeah, but I've like now. been crippling yawning. They're crippling yawns. So you just like walk and your leg gives out and you're all... Yes. In between the yawns. And then you yawn some more. Yeah. And then the yawn catches and everyone gets crippled. Maybe. Everyone falls. It like spreads like wildfire. We'll see you back here. In January. In January. 2013. Whoa. Say your name. This is Susan Bridges. And Jeffrey Bridges. Thanks for listening, folks. You added a folks. You never do that. Folks. Thanks for listening, folks. End of the year show. I could throw a little folks in. So they know I'm talking to them and not like the computer screen or something. So that... That's your goal for 2013? (laughs) To say folks for? No, I just will say it's the end of the year show, and uh, I'm like, it's charming, and so thank you, and we like you people, and people are good, so you're our people, folks. Oh, uh, it's personal. Personalized. Yeah! This twip's for you! All regular listeners know Susan's a terrible person. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, she's horrible. <sighs> are we recording already? Uh-huh. My cuticles are a mess. Ew. I mean, Gross. Geez. I mean, I try to have a nice Christmassy manicure. It's disgusting. And, I mean, really. Okay, let, let's get going. <laughs>